Hello and welcome on the Broken Compass show, show about how people navigate their life when they feel stuck or lost, with all the good, bad, and bittersweet that comes with it. I'm your host, Danik, and today I'm going to talk to Ines. Ines is a Belgian entrepreneur and psychologist who helps people to become unstable and create the life that they want. She shares the same passion for Latin America like I do. And that's actually where we, by coincidence, met a few weeks ago. And it was a pretty magical moment. You're going to hear about it a little bit later in the podcast. But I invited Ines here because a while ago, she had kind of perfect life on the outside. She had a great corporate career with lots of benefits, nice apartment, lots of friends, and she could travel when she wanted. But on the inside, she felt like a failure. She felt lost. And today... She's going to tell you how she navigated this part of her life and where did the journey took her. But before we start, I have one secret to share. And that's uh, when I started this podcast, I made kind of uh, two lists of people. I made lists of people that I want to start talking with, mostly my friends and people that I know very well. And then I had a second list, uh, which was kind of my dream hosts who could come on the show if it becomes a little bit popular or successful. And you, Ines, has been uh, one of those uh, hosts. So I'm very excited that I have you on the show. Welcome. I am so excited to be here. And I can't believe that I was on the special list. That really is, um, that makes me feel very, very, very <laughs> good, actually. My ego is, is clapping. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And um, we actually met with uh, Ines. Normally, I ask the guests if they remember where we met, but I'm pretty sure you remember because you recently posted an Instagram story about it. We met in uh, Prague on one of the Unstoppable workshops that you gave uh, in Prague. And I read that you start a lot of your adventures or a lot of your work and test it out in Prague. And I wonder if, if this was the first time you did this uh, workshop? Um, it was not the first time, um, but it was the biggest um, one that I did in Prague. So the first time was, I think, in November um, with Impact Hub. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I met somebody there um, who was a community manager for a big organization and um, uh, of they started like um, a training slash leadership academy. And then um, I got invited to speak for them. And that's where you were as well. If I remember, you were the only male <laughs> in a whole room. I think we were 100 women. There were 100 women and there was Dan. Um, so obviously, Dan, you stayed very memorable because you were the only guy there. Um, because it was it was an event and it was an organization specifically for, for women in business. Um, and then there was Dan. So, um, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I end up in this situation for some reason, very often. And, um, before we get to what does it mean to be unstoppable, how did Ines get to uh, the point where she's doing uh, a course for hundred women about being unstoppable? Where, where does the journey starts? Mm, good question. Um, I think the journey started in 2014 um, when I basically um, came down with a massive burnout. Um, And that event really, um, it really changed my life. It it turned my life upside down because in the course of healing from burnout, I really had to learn to completely change my ways of being. 
Um, a lot of people, when we talk about mental health, they're very much focused on the problems, but nobody really talks about how intense healing can, can be, how lonely it can feel. And I remember um, in that time, I was desperate for a manual. I really wanted to have a manual. I wanted to have like a guide that said, okay, you're in this phase and now you need to do X, Y, Z, and then you can go to the next phase. And that's how you like process your healing. But nobody, like we're talking about eight years ago, it didn't exist. Like it didn't exist. And, um, and that's basically what got me started. I was so frustrated with the whole process and people telling me I needed to slow down and I needed to take it easy and everything is going to be okay. But I was very frustrated as in like, but how, what, what can I do? Tell me what to do. How can I fix this situation? How can I fix myself? Because what a lot of people don't talk about is that when you go through a burnout or any mental health um, problems or issues that you experience, mm -hmm. it also goes with an identity crisis because you're being asked and invited to completely change your ways. You need to change your way of thinking. You need to change your ways of giving meaning to things. You know, you go back and forth to the past and the future and the present. Um, and becoming unstoppable basically started there. And I wanted to really create that manual for people who, you know, who, who struggle. Um, because struggling doesn't mean that you need to suffer. And that's something that I really want to, that I really want to help people with. Mm. And how did, uh, how did you knew that you have burnout? Because it's such a, um, you know, it's a word that people use very often these days, but what, what does it exactly mean? What, did, what was the experience like? That's a really good question because, um, what I see is that most of the people who go through a burnout don't know that they have a burnout. And that was my case as well. So. Um, I remember, um, that the only reason why I knew I had a burnout is because my doctor told me, and I went for a checkup to see my doctor, um, mm -hmm. because I didn't have my period for more than three months. Mm -hmm. So I went to the doctor and I said, I think something's broken. <laughs> I think maybe my ovaries don't work. They're on a strike, whatever. So please like take my blood, check any values because you know, something needs to be fixed clearly. And so we did tests and everything was normal. There was nothing weird coming out of my, of my blood results. The only thing that showed was that I had a very high cortisol level, which mm -hmm. is a stress hormone. Mm -hmm. And we need cortisol because cortisol, you know, makes us take action. But mine was like extremely high. And so mm -hmm. my doctor started to ask questions. And so I answered and I told her a little bit about my lifestyle. I was working in corporate. Um, I was working a lot. Um, I was sleeping okay. I didn't feel like I was having any mental health issues to, you know, my realization. But the deeper she went with her questions, the more that she became aware that my default mode has become a survival mode. So I was in survival mode and I have been for many, many, many years. And I started to accept that as normal. And so my doctor told me, Inez, you really need to slow down. You need to take it easy. You need to take better care of yourself. And I didn't really understand what she meant. I was like, well, but I'm fine. Like, I sleep well. I eat well. I work. I go on holidays. I party. I have friends. You know, my life is amazing. Why would I have to slow down? Um, and then she handed me a sick note. And she said, look, I'm, I don't think that you understand what I'm trying to say. Like, going on a holiday is not going to be enough. You really need a timeout. You need a break. Mm -hmm from everything. 
And for me, the first thing that I told her when she gave me the sick note was, well, I'm sorry, but I don't have time for this. <laughs> I have so much things to do. Like, have you any idea how many like vacancies I have to fill at work and the processes that need to be rewritten? And we have a new IT system that's going to launch. Like, I need to be there. And that's when I realized, I'm like, oh, dear, oh, dear, Inez, you're in trouble. Like, um, this is what you need to do. And so reluctantly, I accepted that sick note. And mm-hmm. I remember that I was going home on spaghetti legs, not realizing and really asking myself, what the F happened? Like, what just happened? Like, I'm sick. Like, I'm not allowed to work. I need to rest. Like, what does this mean? And that's when this whole roller coaster started because, you know, um, I can talk for hours about this, but, um, but then I had to call my boss and I had to say, like, listen, I'm not going to be in the office this week because I came back from the doctor mm-hmm. and apparently I need to rest. But in my mind, I was still convinced, OK, I'm just going to Netflix for a week and then next week I'll be back in the office. What, what was um, the reaction oh of boy. your what was the reaction of your boss? Well, in the beginning, it was fine because, you know, it, it happens that somebody can like mm-hmm. be sick for a week. You know, but it started to become very awkward after a few weeks because um, I remember that I went to see the doctor on a Tuesday and on a Friday I had to go back see her. And then that's when I completely crashed um, because she just asked me a very simple question like, and how are you feeling right now? And I just lost my shit um, and I just started crying. And mm. so that's when I realized, okay, I'm definitely not ready to go back to work. And then One week became two, two became three, then it became a whole month, then it became two months. And basically I was in this in this timeout for about seven months. Um, and it was a very interesting process. And if we want, we can talk about it or, or not, you know, whatever you want to take this. But um, it was a very interesting process, a very frustrating process. But it also made me, um, it, it taught me a lot. But it also made me realize that when people go through these moments in their life where they feel completely lost, where they don't know who they are, mm. there is nothing to support them. Like I was sitting there in my house, not feeling sick, but I was not, unable to work. I was frustrated with myself. I was desperate for a manual. I didn't have one. Um, so it was really, really difficult to do the work if nobody could help you or guide you in what that work meant. And yes, I had a therapist and we talked a lot about like patterns and behaviors and all that, but that was just not enough for me. I was like, no, mm. I need I need more. Um I need to understand why I am in this state. Like why am I why am I anxious? Why do I have panic attacks? Why do I feel that I don't feel like myself anymore? Mm. Um, and nobody could explain that to me. And so I did my own research. So perfect. So Actually, I have two questions. One is, how did the fact that you studied psychology uh, help you or, or change the way you're looking at the journey? And what, what, what were the steps? What did the process look like to, to get out of that burnout zone to later becoming unstoppable? Well, that process is my program. <laughs> so I can, like, I can like give you the whole program, but um, I guess... But how, oh, how wow. did you how did you how did you come up with the program? I mm. don't think that you yeah. just woke up and you were like, these are the six steps and I'm gonna take them. No. Well, in a way it happened um that way, but it was much later. So um I write a lot. Um mm-hmm. 
I am a writer. I, I need to be brave enough to, to share this, um, I, to take that stand. Like I am a writer. So one of the things that I found very helpful while going, um, in these first few months of my sick leave of my time out was to write about what I was feeling, writing about my frustrations, um, writing down questions, hoping that maybe my brain would like magically channel answers on paper. Um, and then. After being seven months on sick leave, I did something brave and I said, you know what? If I really want to change, I need to change context because this, this mm. life that I have right now, it just doesn't work for me. And, um, and that's when I started traveling. So I, um, I made a, a deal with my employer. Um, we settled, we did, we did a settlement. Um, and I packed my stuff and, um, I traded my, a uh, very beautiful designer closet <laughs> um, for a backpack and these beautiful mountain hiking shoes, which was a stretch um, back then, um, because this is a beautiful story as well. I remember that I made that decision of like, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to go to Latin America for a few months. You know, I'm just going to fuck off and be, you know, go on a journey. Um and I remember that I, I still had my company car. So I was driving my company car in my company outfits. And I went to this adventure store. And um, I remember that I walked in and I said, the first guy that I bump into and somebody who worked there I was like, okay, so listen up. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to go to Latin America for a few months. What do I need? And basically, I spent two hours and a half in that shop and I bought... <laughs> I bought everything. I bought a backpack and a sleeping bag and socks and a hiking pants and like these t-shirts and fleeces and a headlight, like everything that you need to go on this wild adventure. You know? Did you so did I you thought, did you use all these things that you bought? I did. I did actually. I did all of them except one, and that was the hammock. The hammock. Um, I I had been carrying my hammock um along and um. Basically, I started giving it to my travel buddies and somehow the hammock always found its way back to me in Latin America. So that whole hammock had also a story, um, but now I lost it. It's somewhere, I don't know who has it now. It's a yellow with red hammock. Um, if, you, if, you, if you have a yellow red hammock, let us know. <laughs> yes, Send it might be picture. mine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but it was, you know, that was, that was it. And, um, but to answer your question, um, it was really a lot about reflecting and, and, um, creating this self-awareness. And based on that self-awareness, I had to sit with a lot of discomfort and I, I became aware of how, um, how much I was so focused in trying to fix myself and how, how little compassion I had for myself, how little patience I had for myself, um, how many mm. rules I um, expected of myself, like things that I needed to do of myself. Um, and I started questioning everything. So that's why when I say I went through this full-blown identity crisis, well, th that's what happened. And um, a lot of people told me like, oh, of course, you know, you went backpacking to find yourself. I was like, no, 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 no. I went backpacking to lose myself because the person that I've become got me into trouble and I needed to get rid of her. I needed mm. to really sit her down and, and dismantle and unpack what she was all about and 
and really look at it and see like, okay, is this still something that I want? Is this something that is still me? Um, and then create other things. Um, and that's what I've learned um, when when traveling, because the beauty mm. about traveling is that you really, nobody knows you. Nobody mm. knows your history. Yep. Nobody asks you, like, what school did you go to? What do you do for a job? No, you're travelers. So the questions that you have when you are in the hostel or when you're traveling is like, oh, where did you go and where are you going? And what did you see? And let's have a beer and let's be two strangers and exchange stories with each other. Um, mm. And so that really made me um, discover a side of myself because people obviously give you feedback. And the thing that always came back was that people said that they felt very comfortable talking to me. Um, and that I had good insights. And before I knew it, I was like the coach on the road, you know? Um, and um, and that's basically how Becoming Unstoppable, the program then evolved because um, after traveling, I, I spent all my money. Mm-hmm. And so I had to get back and get a job. And that's how I landed a job in Prague. I remember I was in Colombia in San Andres, which is a beautiful honeymoon location and uh-huh. i was sitting there with my little laptop like my little tablet mm-hmm. um because when you travel you travel light so everything was mini and um i was applying for jobs and on my right hand side there was like this couple getting married on the beach you know and i was sitting there like putting out job applications <laughs> so it was a very beautiful moment that i anchored um but anyway i landed a job um my ideal scenario was to stay in latin america mm-hmm. um but i just told myself you know what i'm just gonna leave it to the universe um and the universe um brought me back to europe and so then i moved to prague i worked for a while in corporate again Mm. i realized this is not my jazz and this is not where i can truly honor who i am because Mm. that what that is what latin america brought or traveling brought is that i could really feel into the person that i that i am and that i that I became um and corporate just was not the right box for me anymore and was so it, I've quit the job again mm-hmm. was it something that uh you just like figure out and then you're like I know and I have to leave or was there like some internal struggle between yeah I'm back in this uh, more comfortable life and I have the money and stuff and I want to do this yeah it is I think that was my toughest lesson because it took a lot of courage. And one of the things Mm -hmm. that I have learned and that I'm very true to is never settle for less than what you want. And I really had to sit myself down and ask myself, Ines, is this a life that you want? And what I've learned is, but that is me personally. That is Mm -hmm. how my system works and how my energy works. I don't do well in a strict time schedule. I'm a creative, which means that I have these energy spurts which means that i can be productive for like one two days straight but then i need two three days to rest for instance and when you work a corporate job you can't do that Mm. because you know that you need to be in the office you have a schedule you have a planning and that just doesn't work for me and it took a lot of courage to accept that um because obviously you want to have the big career um i was 33 then um, and, you know, when you're 33, many of the people that I've known, they were settling down. They were buying beautiful homes. They were married. They're like having kids, cars. And I was like, 
is something wrong with me? You know, and I was hanging out with like these travelers and like mm-hmm. these newbies and like these creatives. And, and I really, it was such a contrast from the life that I had because the life that I had was me being in this corporate world, living in a loft apartment, you know, having financial means. Um, and then the other life, like me trying to figure out like, okay, so now what, Ines? What are you going to do with your life? Like, what is the next step for you? You've healed. Now you're in this mess. Um, you have no certainty. So what are you going to do? And, um, so I've quit corporate and then, um, I went house sitting for a few months because I didn't have the money to rent an apartment. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I didn't know where I wanted to rent an apartment because I was like, okay, now what are you going to do? Are you going to stay in Prague? Are you going to go back to Latin America where my heart was? Like, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Um, but then I just, and that was very, that was an, another milestone, a key moment in my life is I just decided to surrender, which is something that our brains do not like. Our brains want certainty. They want predictability. They want validation. And I just said, you know what? I'm just not going to do it. And I'm just going to like sit here and figure it out. Mm. So I went house sitting and um, that was like my first training in embracing uncertainty and in embracing and trusting myself and my skills. So fate brought me to Amsterdam and because I was a bit bored because I didn't have a job, you know, mm. um, I started going to these meetups and uh, Amsterdam is a very beautiful hub um, where, where there's a lot of like creators, entrepreneurs, like there's mm. a lot that you can do if you put yourself out there. And um, I started attending these meetups and people um, started, you know, when you introduce yourself and I started to share my story and, and people found it very fascinating about like, wow, like that's crazy what you did. Like, wow, how does that work? And before I knew it, you know, I created this workshop and I said like, okay, so clearly people want to hear what I have to say. Why don't we just make it formal? And, um, and then People gave me a stage and because they gave me a stage, I designed a workshop. And before I knew it, I, I made it my business. And that's how I, you know, that's how I moved to the Netherlands and, and became my own boss and had my own company and started speaking. And mm. then I started getting invitations to speak internationally. Um, and then wow. my workshop became a program and now it's becoming um, a lifestyle that I'm teaching to people. Um, what you said is, yeah, I really want to help people to fall in love again, but to fall in love with themselves and their life. Mm. That's what they are meant to create. If you're not in love with your life, if you're not in love with, with, with your dream, then you've got a problem. Mm. Um, and that's basically what becoming unstoppable is about. Wow. Wow. Have you yeah. ever thought during the journey that you are the crazy one? Because you said that other people sometimes felt like, oh, this is crazy. Have you ever felt it yourself? Every day. <laughs> every freaking day. Because I'm going to be very honest. Um, every Like, I'm a born optimist and I'm a very, I'm a very happy person. But what people forget is that it's not because you're an optimist that you don't have doubts. Mm. I question myself every day. Um, but that's human. Mm. That's human. The beauty is that I am teaching other people because of the tools that I use is when you hit that point 
what can you do to learn from it? Because I don't believe in negative emotions. Um, and yes, I'm crazy because, well, not really crazy. I'm just me. <laughs> you know, you know what? My, one of my best friends, uh, said we, we once went to uh, visit him in Portugal and there was his uh, friend, uh, Brazilian Taizy and Taizy asked him, why are your, all your friends so crazy? And Peter said, because I don't, uh, I'm not friends with normal people. They're boring. I like to be around people who are crazy and weird. Yeah. Yeah. So, and there is no such thing as normal. Yeah. I think normal, I think that is, that is one of the reasons why people feel unhappy is they mm. pursue something that they think they need to do instead of just embracing and asking themselves, what is it that I want? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a difficult question to ask yourself because that's exactly one of the lessons that I've learned through burnout is that there's so many, but one of them is I was li- living a life based on other people's expectations. Mm-hmm. And I really had to ask myself, but what is it that you truly, truly want? I could not answer that question. When people ask me, what do you need? I was like, what do you mean? What do I need? Like, of course, I need food. I need house. I need money. But they're like, no. Like, what do you need? What are your needs? And I was so confused. I could not answer that question. And how did you realize that you were living life that other people tell you to live? Because of the, um, well, many things. I think the the biggest one is that um, one day I was on a hike, mm-hmm. um, and it was really it was really cold and snowy, and it was at the crack of dawn, like at seven o'clock in the morning. So it was dark, and I was talking to these people from Slovak, Slovak, my Slovak friends. They were amazing. They changed my life. <laughs> and uh, we were talking and talking and talking, and then. One of them just stopped and said, like, my God, Inez, like, you have so many rules. Like, how can you live with so many rules? And that really hit me. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Like, and first, obviously, I was in complete denial. I was like, what are you talking about? I don't live. Like, I'm a free spirit. I don't have these rules. <laughs> but then I what, was what, like, no. What kind of rules? Right. Do you, can, you, can you give us an example, one or two? I don't specifically remember because it's been a long time. Um, but I just remember that he was right. Um, mm-hmm. it took, it took some time for me to digest it, but he was right. I, I was living by all these rules and rules. It's not like in the classical way of like, um, like what we teach in school, but it's like things that you allow yourself or don't. Mm. And everybody has them. For instance, um, It's like the idea, for instance, for me, when I went to Latin America, it started because I was watching Dirty Dancing every week. And then there was this, yeah, because what else is there to do when you're in sick leave and you have like no purpose in life and you're just sitting there. So I was having cake and wine every day, watching Patrick Swayze doing this. I was in this fantasy bubble. But anyway, there was a voice in me that said, hey, why don't you just take salsa classes? You know, because I love dancing. Mm -hmm. And um, and then I went to this salsa bar in Brussels. I was living in Brussels back then, which was horrible. It was like a really bad experience. I was like, yeah, this is not doing it for me. Um, <laughs> and then this idea came and they're like, then why don't you just go to Cuba? But then all these rules came up. Mm-hmm. But you can't just go to Cuba. You're on sick leave. Um, you can't just go to Cuba. That's like very extravagant. Who goes to Cuba to learn how to dance? That's idiotic. Like all these rules, all these rules came up and mm. he was right. Like, and now I'm trying to live more in a compassionate way where 
if I have an idea, I just go for it. Mm. Not all of them, but most of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. And so I had another question that was, so you, this is quite a journey, right? It's a, this is already a few years, right? And then um, mm. you are completely changing your lifestyle and how you live and what you do. Um, how did that impact the relationship with people around you? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, well, the good news and the bad news. <laughs> um, I don't have a lot of friends anymore from my corporate career life. Mm. So the people, the friend group that I had when I was in Belgium, um, I don't really speak to them anymore. Um, it's not that we had arguments or anything. It's just, you know, I left that country in 2014 and I didn't come back. Um, but there is this thing that when you do a lot of work, when you mm. invest a lot of time in yourself and you allow yourself to wholeheartedly embrace life, um, Sometimes you outgrow your environment, which is mm. a logical thing um, because you always are surrounded with people who match your way of living and your way of being. And I completely changed that. I was mm. no longer the career person. Um, I kind of redefined what career means to me. I redefined what success means to me. Um, I redefined my priorities. Um, I'm still all about food and wine and culture. Mm. Like that part of me is still there. Um, that's where I connect with many people, but it's just the way that I live is different. I don't live a, let's say, average life. Can I put it that way? Yeah. Um, I'm different. Yeah. Yeah. Because I am having the same uh, experience, you know, after uh, this diet, I start to be interested in different things. You know, I don't, I no longer really like small dogs. I like to talk about things that are more deeper, about emotions, although I'm not that good at it, but I'm trying. Um, I sometimes like small dogs when I really need to, don't want to feel the emotion. I just need a break and then, uh, you know, I can talk trash about whatever, uh, but I cannot be around people who, I'm just talking about it. It's uh, very difficult. And I think that changed uh, a lot uh, the relationship with people around me and also the fact that, uh, you know, people know you in a certain way and now you are somebody different and that's a change for them, right? So now they have to deal with, okay, hey, there's this uh, new guy. And they sometimes treat you the same way, sometimes they treat you different, but it's it's also difficult for, for the other people around you as well. I think. So. Mm. No, it's true. I mean, there are my, there are a few friends that I'm still very close to, mm. um, but they have accepted that um, the nature of our relationship changed. Um, so instead of meeting every week for dinner, we FaceTime now every week because I'm in different countries. Um, but they're still there. They they you know. They still see me for who I truly am. Mm -hmm. um, but for instance, the whole social circle that I've built based on my colleagues who became friends, that kind of like faded out. Um, mm -hmm. 
and it's it's a you know it's a different way my friendships relationships that i have with people changed um because i'm i've been through this transition and most of my friends live in different parts of the world but we do see each other um mm. you know that's one of the reasons why i went to peru um that's one of the reasons why i'm you know i'm i'm traveling so much and my friends also travel back um and that's basically it's a different lifestyle so a different lifestyle has a different environment mm yeah right and you mentioned the peru so now we talk about uh how you got to to create your uh, course right and that's uh we when we met it was about three years ago in prague you gave your lessons mm -hmm. then you moved to the netherlands giving international lessons uh, or mm -hmm. uh, classes um and then at one point i got an um and you said the email that was uh, saying hey ines uh, is uh, is no don't want to be a comfortable again and she's taking this uh, leap of faith so how did how did that happen uh, from mm. being already on your journey everything was working okay of course there was covid in between what happens mm -hmm. so much has happened um I don't know where to start, but okay, so I'm just going to wing it. So, okay, so the journey was burnout, creating this course, helping people with um, going through similar things. And then I kind of, obviously, I evolved because I'm a big fan of, of self-development. So the moment that I burned out until this day, I've always had coaches, therapists, like I've always had a team of people around me that that could help me grow. Um, you know, because I always say, if you want to play the Olympics, you need, you need a team around you. So mm -hmm. I'm learning on a, a lot on a weekly, monthly basis. Um, and then what happened is I moved to the Netherlands and I, I settled down in the Netherlands and, um, I got a book deal and two years ago, two years ago, I got this book deal. Mm -hmm. I was super happy. Um, somebody came to the Becoming Unstoppable workshop. He was an editor and he reached out and he says like, Ines, we really love your story. Do you want to write a book? And I said, yes, let's go. And that's when my second journey began because I had to learn a really big lesson. Mm. So what happened was um, that I started this journey to be a writer or to write a book. Um, and what I realized is that I had creative, I was creatively blocked. Mm. And I started this journey to figure out why am I creatively blocked? Why can't I write? Like what's not working? And the biggest lesson that I've learned there is that I was not connected with my heart. So everything that I've been creating was from my head. Mm. But if you really want to be creative, you need to feel more. You really need to, you know, you really need to um, use the emotions that flow through you. Um, because you can't create from the head. You need to feel your way through that process. And that was for me very difficult because mm. I realized there's a blockage there. Um, anyway, fast forwarding, um, how did, you, how did you know that, uh, you're creating just from your mind and not from your heart? Because the book that I wrote was freaking boring. <laughs> 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 and, and that was it. Like, it's simple. It's like, what is this? Like, Yes, it makes total sense and it's a nice story, but there's no soul. There's no soul. So mm. I ended up having a big discussion with the editor um, and we decided to part ways. So the book that I've written will never be published because for me, it didn't feel the right. 
it was not the right tone of voice. Mm. Um, it was me trying to prove to people that I know all these things, mm. um, which is not why I've been writing this book, but I was not aware of it. So that basically opened a whole new box <laughs> of things that I wanted to deal with and understand, okay, I clearly need to find ways to connect with my heart and to connect with um, with with my emotions more and to show courage and, and to be brave, to share that with the world. Mm. And that's basically how it started. Um, and I've been doing that for the past two years where I've really went exploring. I've did so many different things. Like I went to healers, energy healers. I mean, I went to spiritual people. I went for yoga, acupuncture, nutrition. I did the whole, like all the things to figure out how can I feel more? How can I, you know, how can I connect with, with, with that vulnerable part of me? Um, and so that means that I really had to sit with my fears. I had to sit with, um, many, many things that are very uncomfortable, but I'm very happy that I did because then what happened was, um, I don't know how the story, I don't know how I want, like how much I want to share because it's, it's deeply, deeply personal. Um, but let's, let's just do it. So, what I'm a very, um, let's say, hands-on, resourceful person. Mm. So one of the teams that I really needed to sit with was rejection. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why I was afraid to share my story, to share it from the heart, is because I had this deep fear of rejection, which we all have. This is normal. But, you know, as a scientist and as a curiosity mm. person, I want to figure out how can I hack it? What can I do to, like, not be... Fear, not being afraid of rejection anymore. So the thing that I came up with was like, okay, I'm going to go on dating apps. And um, so that was step number one. Yeah, I know. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I have yeah. fear of rejection too, so. Yeah. Well, you know, so most people go on these dating apps to find love or, you know, to go on dates or to meet people. I went on these dating apps to practice getting rejected and to practice, you know, being out there. So and that how, was a, how did it look like? How, how, does this, how do you do that? <laughs> well, there's a whole story to it. I mean, this could be a podcast on its own. Um, um, I didn't go binge dating. Um, I think I, I, I tried it for about seven months. Mm. Um, and not only did I learn how to deal with rejection, I also learned a lot about boundaries mm -hmm. and about... Um, putting my boundaries and about giving mm. feedback to, to, to strangers, basically, because it happened to me a few times that the guy in the picture was not the guy in real life. Um, <laughs> he was 20 years older um, than the person in the picture. And in the beginning, I didn't have the heart to tell him, like, I'm sorry, but I really feel cheated on. Like, you don't just put it like you, the picture that was on your profile could be your son for going out loud. <laughs> The thing is, I didn't have the heart to say that in the beginning. Now I feel more comfortable because I had to train myself. I had to practice. But into the whole dating story, um, there was last year I um, I met a guy um, mm. and I thought he was my soulmate. Um, and basically, he was not a, a, a good guy. Um, he was not somebody that was the right fit for me. Um, he was basically a narcissist. Mm. And um, that was a beautiful uh, experiment and experience for me to to really, really honor myself because mm -hmm. walking away 
from a situation like that. And everybody who has been in an abusive relationship will recognize these patterns. It's not mm. easy. And I'm not saying that I was in an abusive relationship, but had I stayed in that mm. dating dynamic, it would definitely have become an abusive relationship. Um, and that basically, um, opened a whole new door for me as in, wow, there is so much that I want to learn about these patterns that I have. Like, why did I attract a narcissist? Why was it so hard for me to leave mm -hmm. that relationship? Like, why did I put up with, with bullshit? Like, why? Why am I, you know, and that's what happens when you have a high level of empathy. But anyway, um, I worked through all these things and it made me stronger. It made me more compassionate um, and it made me more confident. Mm -hmm. um, it gave me a confidence boost. So basically I learned the rejection. I learned boundaries. I learned about like what I no longer accept. And then somehow a blast from the past happened. And um, three years ago I spoke in, um, on this rooftop in, in Rotterdam and there was this guy who was in the audience and mm -hmm. we connected very well. And fast forwarding to a few months ago, um, somehow he came back into my life. I don't know how exactly um but he he kind of sparked something in me mm -hmm. um and when i say spark <laughs> he kind of made me fully um believe in what i do and um mm. get me out of my comfort zone and so long story short because i'm telling you i could talk for hours um i quit my job in the hospital because during COVID, obviously I didn't have any workshops anymore. Mm. And that was my main um, income source. So I had to be creative. So I started working in a hospital for about two years. So um, I've quit my job in the hospital and I booked a ticket to Peru and I booked a ticket for many reasons. Um, first of all, because I wanted to explore what this connection is that I had with this person. Mm. Um, second of all, I really miss my friends and I wanted to see them again. So a few of them flew to Peru to meet me there because they live in Chile or Mexico or, mm. or Argentina. Um, and I just wanted to get back into the road, um, on the road. And I really wanted to embrace the promise that I made myself five years ago when I started my business. And when I started my business, I promised myself that I would do anything that my power to ensure that I would always be free. I wanted to have freedom. I wanted mm -hmm. to have financial freedom. I wanted to have geographical freedom. I wanted to have freedom because that's something that I truly, truly um, want and need um, to be happy. And so that's what, what got me into Peru. It was the potential of the big love story because obviously mm -hmm. that's, you know, I'm a bohemian romantic soul. So I said like, okay, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the big love story. It definitely had a beautiful start. Um, mm. but I'm sorry, people, I need to burst your bubble. <laughs> Life has other plans for me. So it was not, um, how can I put it? Um, it was not mutual. Let's me put it that way. Um, but we, I mean, there was no awkwardness. It, it was a beautiful experience and we had really beautiful moments and, and beautiful conversations. And I've learned again, a lot about what it is that I want, what I, what I want in a partner, what I want from a relationship how I define a relationship. Um, but most importantly, um, I was able to recharge my soul and I connected with, with beautiful friends of mine that I speak to on a regular basis, but that I now had the opportunity to travel with um, and to mm -hmm. go hiking with and to have maracuya sours with. Um, <laughs> and I, 
it's just it was just beautiful uh, yeah. because there is the there is the other side of the story and that um basically uh, uh for me when uh, after Liz died i, I wrote this, uh, this this letter uh to try to raise money to to get her back to peru and uh you read it on linkedin and you wrote me uh, a message and as i was kind of going through my grief i was trying to figure out okay what do i know and and I start, and I got your newsletters because I was probably subscribed still. And I start st- reading this newsletter, and um, and there is this, uh, this this woman who says you should be unstoppable. And now she's writing this uh, newsletter like, "Hey, I'm uh, quitting my job. I'm going to the Peru." You didn't say that you were going uh, for the love story. You were just like, "I'm going to try. Uh, how does it feel working somewhere else, being somewhere else? This is where I feel I, I'm supposed to do." And I was like, "Wow, this is like really." connected with me also probably because it was in Peru and uh, I was thinking about going to Peru to, to meet the uh, family and it was also in the whole process when I was thinking if I'm gonna take a break from my work and go travel afterwards as well I also got an offer for another job and all these things happened at the same time and then you had the webinar about how to make the most of the 2021 right or something like that mm-hmm. and it was funny because uh, it was very small webinar. It was like it was more like actually mm-hmm. chat with a couple of people because it was like seven people and talking about what their goals are. While I was uh, muted and crying on the other side because I had no idea what I want to do. And it was just horrible. But I was there, and and all these things were part of the inspiration. Why I said, okay, screw it. I'm going to Peru. I want to visit this family again, and um, afterwards I'm going to travel. And I don't know how long, I don't know where, but I'm just going to do it. And um, so it wasn't just about it, but it was part of the whole inspiration. And uh, and then I thought about, man, I have to write Ines. I have to uh, tell her that, you know, that she's brave and she's inspiring people. She should know. And, and I was putting it off, uh, this email, because I guess it was vulnerable, you know, and it's kind of like, can I do it? Should I do it? And then uh, one day in, uh, when I was in Lima, I said, okay, screw it. I'm just going to write her. I say, this is what is happening in my life. You inspire me to take these uh, changes, you know, also with your examples and also other things you do. And I wrote you an email. And then uh, what a <laughs> little did I know, <laughs> 20 minutes later, I got a call from Ines and she's like, are you in Lima? I was like, yes. She's like, me too. Let's have a lunch. We went for lunch. We did. We did. On an epic, in an epic restaurant with epic views on the ocean. It was just, it was, you know, see, this is, this is what I mean with surrender. Um, I didn't have any plans that day, except while I had, I finished a few calls and I was like, oh, I want to go for lunch. And then this email came and I was like, oh, well, why would you go for lunch by yourself? Let's meet up. Um, but um, but thank you for sharing that, you know, my newsletter inspires because one of the things, and I think every entrepreneur or everybody who does brave things, you know, you question yourself sometimes. And sometimes in moments where you, where you don't really know, like, am I doing the right thing? Is this working? Is this going to work? These little, these little feedback moments mm. really help you to keep mm-hmm. going because um unfortunately we're not in a culture where people feel comfortable sharing their feelings mm. um or sharing feedback um 
but it makes it makes such a difference. Like you see it sometimes on Instagram, like, you know, um, if you're thinking about somebody, reach out and and tell that person, you know, that you're thinking about them mm. or that, you know, you appreciate what they do. Really do it. It really makes a difference. It it really does. Because obviously you do it because you want to, but it really helps when you and everybody goes through these phases, when you doubt your mm. decisions or when you have these moments where like, oh, is this really, is this really working? Like, am I, am I doing this right? Like, am I going in the right direction? It really makes a, it makes a huge difference. And that's why when people reach out, I always say yes. Um, and when people invite me for things, I always say yes. Mm. Um, for instance, I'm flying back and forth to Amsterdam, uh, to give a workshop because why not? Um, mm. you know, it's just, I would fly, I flew to Brazil to celebrate somebody's birthday because they invited me. I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? I'll, I'll go. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, but that is what you do when you, when you really live according to your own rules and it is possible. Like I'm not a millionaire. I don't have any special magical gifts, mm. but what I do do and what I'm still learning every day and that is what I'm teaching others is I'm just really embracing who I am. Mm. And that's enough. It's enough. And when you can embrace who you are, um, you know, we're in this age where a lot of people say like, oh, I need to find my purpose. You don't need to find your purpose. I need to find you my purpose. To... For sure. No, it's in you. It's in you. You just need to cut out the bullshit mm. and get rid of the noise. So you can really feel what it is that you desire. Because mm. desires are different for everybody. They're not just in there you know, to be ignored. No, mm. they want to be heard. They want to be listened to, but we don't have time and we don't create space to connect with that part of ourselves because we're too busy trying to figure out what other people want from us. Like what should be done? Like, who cares? Like, what do you want? What do you want? Mm. And that's where you start. And sometimes you need to create a different context for yourself. You need to go and pull a 180 and, mm. you know, go to another country and, and travel for a while. If that is what you need in order to be able to listen and to feel what you truly want, then do it. Make it, make it work. Make it happen. Yeah. I feel that's very difficult uh, for a lot of people because, you know, once you say like, okay, I'm going to pick my stuff. And even when I went to, uh, I'm going to, to South America. And when I decided and I was telling people, yeah, I can go to South America, but I can also get another job. Uh, or continuing my current company. What do I do? And everybody said like, oh yeah, traveling is nice. But what are you going to do? Like, you need to do something productive. You can't just go. And I was like, what does that mean? Um, I think that that comes back all, all the time. You know, people are like, what are you going to do? Like, where are you going to go? What's the plan? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I have no plan. Um, and I will see where the life will take me, I guess. Um, and that, by the way, goes to something that you said before that connects to the story in Paris. And then in the last year, I had more of these magical moments where I suddenly met somebody somewhere unexpected, a person I didn't know or somebody I knew. And, and I had this uh, very deep discussion. I had discussion with people I have known for hours that were deeper than people that I know for many, many years. And, uh, and these, and I think this comes to you attract what you are 
right? What you seek for, that's something that you, you said before. Uh, mm-hmm. And also where you put your focus. Uh, mm-hmm. And also the more, I, I had actually one of my friends talk to me uh, lately, he's a very rational guy. And uh, he said like, yeah, you know, I, I've, I've heard that in leadership, you know, if you're vulnerable, that people get vulnerable with you and that will like improve your leadership skills and people will like align more around you. And he said like, so you know what? I tried it. And I had this colleague and I shared something with her about fucked up. And she was like, man, wow. Like it's so cool that you as a leader are saying that you also sometimes make mistakes. And I'm happy that you are actually my leader and I can work for you and with you. And he looked at me and it's like, you know, like it's cool, but I thought it's going to take lot longer time you know i thought like i'm gonna be vulnerable and then i don't like months down the road people start like sharing their stuff but i think it it doesn't worry the way you know like when you're vulnerable people often will talk back to you and and that's why i feel that i have deeper discussions but you can tell me about how it works because uh, what's the psychology behind it (laughs) well there's many things obviously the first thing is it's much easier to be vulnerable to strangers because you don't mm. have an emotional connection. So this whole fear of rejection doesn't help. Um, mm. You know, if a stranger doesn't approve, then you all go your own way. There's no, you know, there's no relationship there mm. or not yet. Um, and what I've learned with vulnerability is the more you learn to be safe with yourself, mm. the easier it gets to be vulnerable. One of the reasons why it is difficult to be vulnerable is because if you don't have a strong sense or foundation of self-love, mm. you are very vulnerable to believe the feedback of other people and make that your reality. But if you really invest in understanding how you work, who you are, and start appreciating you for who you are mm. and knowing that that is enough, you're going to find it easier to be vulnerable um, because I truly believe that everything that you do from the heart can never go wrong. It can never go wrong. And I'm really, I'm living by that example. Mm. Um, and for many people, it comes across like I'm impulsive, but I'm not. I'm, I'm, I think about this. I, you know, I mm. just, I just don't always inform people about my process, but mm-hmm. um but vulnerability is the only way to truly establish deeper connection. Mm. It's a, it's a way of, of establishing deeper connection because vulnerability means that you truly show your vulnerable parts, like, you know, your, your fears, your expectations. Um, but a lot of people, you know, I'm reading this book um, right now, and there was something in that book that said, um, we live in a society where narcissism is being rewarded mm. and where being vulnerable is seen as weak and is seen as ridiculed. And it's true because if you look at the classical business meetings, there's not much space for vulnerability. Um, mm. One of the reasons why I quit my corporate job when I was in Prague was because I remember that moment I was in a meeting. I was a team lead of a small team, very complicated uh, business case. And I was in this global meeting, global. So there were like 50 people on that call. Half of them not listening. Half of them not listening probably, (laughs) but anyway. So 
And it was my turn. And I had a very complicated client. Mm. So basically, we were always in the red. And um, so my global lead said, okay, now it's up to Ines. Please report on your, you know, I don't even remember the technical terms, something with grass and red and green and blue and yellow. <laughs> and, um, and I said to them, like, look, these are the charts, but I do feel that we need to dig deeper because this is, you know, this doesn't reflect reality or something in that matter. And then I remember that she said, well, Ines, we're not here. We're not interested about your feelings. We just want to hear the facts. And that's what's wrong with our world. That is why it's so difficult to show vulnerability because we live in a society where we're afraid to feel. We're afraid mm. to feel. But if we can't feel, then who are we? Who are we? And I know the mm. neuroscience behind this, obviously. And that is, you know, your brain, your thoughts, um, your brain has one sole purpose, and that is to make sure that you don't die. Mm. So your brain is designed to help you survive. So obviously, your brain is always going to choose what is familiar. It's always going to try to validate what it knows. Everything is a potential threat for your, for your brain. Um, and that's how we are raised through brain, through thoughts, through, you know, it, that's the survival. But if you really want to have a fulfilling life, you need to feel. Mm. And feeling is chaotic and it's messy and, and it doesn't make any sense sometimes. And it can be very overwhelming and it can catch you by surprise. Um, and I work with people on a daily basis who reach out to me to help them guide through, through these things as a therapist. Mm. Um, but that's basically what I'm teaching them is to teach them how to feel and to teach them that whatever they feel, that it's okay. And whatever happens, you always have yourself. So you will always be safe. And that's a process. And that's not something that we, that we learn in school. Usually it, it only, you know, People only reach out for guidance when they're in trouble, mm. when they feel depressed, when they're anxious. Um, I'm working with people who are suicidal, who um, mm. who are going through very traumatic experiences. Um, but that's what I'm basically teaching them is that you can't control what's going on around you. Mm. And you as a human, you react to your environment. Context is everything. Um and it's how you navigate yourself through that maze. And these are the tools that I teach them that really make a difference. And feeling is, is very important. Feeling is your, is your compass. You know, you talk about a broken compass. Usually we think that we have a broken compass because we don't understand their feelings. Mm. But we just, you know, we, we shouldn't be afraid to feel. It's okay to feel and it's okay to not know and to figure it out. And to get help to understand what that means to you. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it's also a lot of people, they are like, I will feel, but only the good things or the, what we label as good, you know, whatever way emotions are emotions to me, mm. but we do label mm. them as good or bad. Right. Uh, yeah. And so if you really, I think if you really are start uh, digging to your emotion, you're going to have a lot of the, the, the bad emotions or the ones that you don't really want to feel and uh and i think that the first wave uh, is going to be uh, uh, a storm that uh, you need to uh, get around and mm. i also liked uh and one uh, analogy i don't know i think right it's also in the i think Jevil, the, the singer wrote it in her book that um that when she was what was it was 
wasn't about feeling and panic attacks. She said the panic attacks are the best thing because it's like when you eat a bad fish, right? And you, if it's bad, your body's throw it up. And it's not bad that you're throwing it up. It's actually good, but your body's saying like, I don't want this. Don't put it in me. And it's same with the panic attacks, right? Or, or some of the negative emotions that when you have them, your body's telling you, you're like, hey, something you're doing is not working out here. And you should change it around, right? Um, yeah. And then the other thing is that sometimes also, uh, you know, this, 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 these bad emotions are also, I, like, you cannot have love without grief and you cannot have happiness without sadness because that wouldn't make any sense what it would be to be sad. And sometimes you're sad to remember that you've been through something happy or no, that's something how I feel mm. after everything that uh, I'm going through. I think that's what I am learning is that being sad is actually not a bad thing. It's, it's part of life. and uh, It's actually sometimes good to be sad, I guess. That's, that's how I would mm. put it these days as well. Um, not all the time, but yeah. It's, uh, mm. And I, I think uh, I met somebody who once told me uh, that they was like, how do you manage all these like, emotions? At the time, I didn't understand emotional, emotionless uh, guy processing through brain. Although I, I, I always liked psychology, but now I was like, uh, more emotions. And, uh, and I was like, you know, how, how do you do this? Like, you can just like cry and completely fall out and then you are doing all these great things. And I was like, how does this work? Can you explain it to me? Because like, I always felt like if I like fall apart and start crying, like the whole day is gone or, or something like that, you know, like there will be. And they were like, no, I'm just like, I'm going to take my three minutes. I'm going to like cry, whatever, feel whatever I need. And then just like wrap it up and I put it back and then I like go on with my life. And I was like, wow. And that's what I'm sometimes trying to do these days. Not all the time, but sometimes I'm like, I allow myself to, to get some space, to feel it. Then it'll be like, okay, and now let's go on and do, because you cannot say, you know, you have to feel, but sometimes you also need to do stuff, right? And so there's, uh, it's about also finding some balance of uh, how to navigate the life and how to make sure that you're just not doing and not having enough time to, uh, to feel and, and be with yourself or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, if I may, I have a bit more of a, like, I don't believe in opposites. Mm. I don't think that you need sadness in order to feel happy um, because I don't believe in bad emotions. I do believe mm. in bad ways of dealing with emotions. Mm -hmm. um, but it is my belief that emotions are always there to teach you something. Mm. Emotions, there's always a need behind an emotion. Mm -hmm. When you're sad, there's a need behind it. Maybe there's a need that you feel disconnected. You want, you want some, you know, you crave a human connection. So you're going to reach out to people, but then you don't because of these beliefs that you have like, Oh no, I need to be strong and handle this on my own. And, um, you know, or I don't have any friends. These are all beliefs that are stopping you from acting the way that you need to in order to deal with, with that emotion. So I believe that everything has meaning. And when we feel a certain way, we also need to address what is the meaning that we give it. Mm. If sadness is, is, is seen as, oh, and now I'm going to punish myself because I'm weak because I feel sadness, then obviously you're only going to make sadness bigger. But if you can just look at sadness as an emotion that you feel 
that is trying to teach you something about what you need, then that's a whole different way of looking at yourself and, and acting accordingly. And that's basically, you know, I don't believe there's an opposite to love. Mm. You know, if, if there's no love, then you have other things, but there's no opposite to love. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe there's an opposite to sadness. Yes, happiness might be like seen as the opposite of mm. sadness, but is it really? And why is sadness a bad thing? Sadness can teach us a lot because when I feel sad, I learn a lot about my blocks. I learn mm. a lot about things that I need to heal. But that is because I've cultivated this practice and this inner dialogue that when I feel bad emotions, I allow myself to sit with them and to challenge them. And that doesn't go like, you know, I'm not a machine. I need to live through them. And I have my off days, mm. but then I act accordingly. And I was like, okay, if you're here, sadness, great. I'll, I'll embrace this. Clearly, there's something that I need to learn here. Mm. And then I need to question what, what's the lesson? Yeah. And I, and I think uh, definitely teaching you something and sometimes also teaching you something about importance to things, of the things around. If you don't mm. feel any emotion about something, then probably it's not as important. Because today's yeah. world, everything is important. Uh, I remember mm-hmm. having many conversations with my colleagues like, well, we don't have time to do all those things. So what are we not going to do? Yeah, but everything then, everything is important. Every- I was like, no, <laughs> everything is important. Nothing is important. So what do we feel strongly about? Because we need, you- that's where you need the compass, right? That's where you need that feeling that you tell you, okay, this is where we need to go. We need to cut out all yeah. the other stuff that we're just not going to do. And uh, yeah. and that's also about letting go, right? That's also uh, something I'm definitely still learning. Uh, yeah. And so we touch upon the mind and the heart, the emotions. What about soul? What's your what's your take? What what do you mm. think about the soul or spirituality or whatever words you, you want to use for it? And, yeah. and how did that develop over your journey? Um, so how I grew, so when I was in corporate, I was a very rational analytical person Mm -hmm. and I was not into the whole woo woo stuff, they call it. But then, um, then I had to, you know, I did a lot of research and, Mm -hmm. and I learned a lot about neuroscience and I, and I, you know, I learned a lot about big names like Einstein, for instance, Mm -hmm. and quantum physics. And that's when I started to connect the dots. And I'm, you know, I'm definitely not the first one. There's a whole scientific movement out there. Mm. Um, but for me, soul is about energy. It's mm. about feeling. It's about connection. Um, we think a soul as in like an entity, like we have an arm or a leg. You know, we also have a soul. Um, but that's where you are being challenged. There is no such thing as like this soul that is in your body, but mm. it is about energy. And it is how you, the way that I look at it is our bodies are our vessels. Mm. Um, our bodies are what is communicating with the outside world. Mm. Then we have our brains, neuroscience, hormones, all these things that are um, translating all these stimuli into meanings and and based on experience and etc we create stories and then there is something that we can't capture we can't touch mm-hmm. and that is a feeling you know it's a gut feeling why do i have these ideas i don't know where they come from but i have these ideas or i have this feeling like i need to do this right now you know mm-hmm. or i have for instance two days ago 
yesterday I went on a nocturnal um, um, walk in the Alhambra. I'm in Granada right now. Mm. And tickets were sold out until the 14th of July. But then uh, we found the hacking system and they were like, yeah, you need to wait until midnight. And then the tickets that got canceled are going to be put online. And then at 11, I said, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to go now. And so I opened the website and there were two tickets available. So if I would have waited until midnight, I would not be able to book a ticket. Mm. But because I said like, no, I feel that I need to go online now. And I just kind of followed my urges. I found a ticket. And I mean, I'm talking about a walk that is in the eighth world wonder of the world, the Alhambra. Mm. It's like, it's, it's, not, it's a heritage um, that is sold out until mid-July. And I found it 24 hours before I would go. <laughs> Because I felt this urge and I have it with many things. Um, and that's not, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you know, that's like magic. And maybe, I mean, I, yes, it feels magical, mm-hmm. but it really is me being connected and, and really understanding that it's okay to follow your urges sometimes. Mm-hmm. For instance, navigation. Um, I get lost a lot, but sometimes if I just follow my feeling, I kind of find my way. <laughs> and for me, those are all things that people associate with soul. Yeah, it, it, it reminds me that I think one of the webinars you said something around the way. Uh, if you go out and you follow these these urges, you will always be okay. Always. Uh, if you don't have money, somebody will let you sleep somewhere. If you cannot get over from somewhere somehow. Somebody will stop suddenly and then take you to the next hour or something like that. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's mm-hmm. definitely happening to me a lot more. And that's again, like with focus, you know, I call these mm-hmm. magical moments, not because I think it's, there's magic behind it, but yeah, because they're, they're just like the exact thing happened ex- exact time when you need it and you have that experience. Uh, and it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I do believe in magic. I mean, these are, it feels like magic. Mm. And it feels like magic because you're doing something brave. And that is you're surpassing your brain. You you choose to surrender. You choose actively to not know. And for your brain, that's very, very scary. But then, you know, if you really are, if you keep an open mind and an open heart, if you really allow yourself to start feeling more, mm. Then that's when 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 all these things can enter because you know feelings feelings as I said feelings can be overwhelming but it it also gives you a very fulfilling fulfilling life. How do you how do you surrender? Wow, that's a that's a difficult one. It's not easy to surrender. Um, sometimes it kind of depends what you need to surrender to. Um, it's about trusting yourself, trusting your skill, trusting the process, not always having to have a plan, um, being able to plan things out, but in the process of, of executing the plan to be living in the day to day, it's staying true to, you know, making sure that you eat well, that you exercise, that you take care of your body so mm-hmm. that you stay connected. That doesn't mean that you can't go overboard. I mean, I like my wine and everybody knows that I love you know, Maracuja Zowers, for example. Yeah, yeah, Maracuja Zowers, for instance. Wow, these things are nasty. They will get you by surprise. Um, but um, yeah, that was bad. Um, I don't know anything about so it. 
Yeah, no, no, of course not. We didn't, we did not have those uh, during lunch. And, um, but it's really just, just, just making sure that, that you take care of yourself and that you understand where you are and that you can, that you know yourself. Mm. That's basically it. Knowing yourself is not just something that is in your brain as in like, I know who I am and I know myself. No, it's also knowing yourself as in when you feel something that you understand what it means, that you understand what is the, what's the difference between intuition and fear. For me, that was a big one. When mm. I feel things, is it because I'm afraid or is it because I actually need to act on something? And mm. because it's scary, like who trusts their intuition between brackets? That's a scary thing to do. Uh-huh. Like, why would you go to Peru to go on a date and quit your job while doing that and embracing the unknown? Because I felt like doing it. How, how do you? And it's been. How do you know? Amazing. How do you now know, know the difference between the fear and intuition? That's interesting. Practice, practice. Practice. Yeah, it's practice. Um, because again, I never, I don't believe in bad outcomes. Mm. Um, you always, you'll always learn. You'll always learn. And I made some really terrible mistakes, like for, especially when I'm investing in myself, you know, sometimes I can have this, this moment where I'm like, okay, I need to do these things. And then out of fear, I start looking for a coach and then I get, it, and then I meet these people who charge extravagant money, uh-huh. you know, and then I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Like I need you. And that's a fear decision. And then I realized that because, you know, I was not thinking critical enough or whatever um but there's always a lesson there um yeah. but fear will always be there fear is always there people always think like oh you know i want to have a i want to live without fear it was like well then no it doesn't exist you will always be afraid always were you afraid when you uh took the jump and uh, went to uh, peru yes very much hello i mean we're talking about me quitting my job as in like stepping away from certainty. And yes, I have an online business, but that was like pushed back because I had, you know, the work at the hospital and I opened my own practice in Amsterdam and The Hague. So I was turning back that. Um, I went and flew half across the world based on an idea that, you know, there was this connection with this person without ever having had a serious conversation with him. I was like, Oh, but it's all, it's all part of the romantic story. You know? Um, of course I was afraid. I was, I mean, I'm not going to say I was terrified, but there's always this fear of, Oh my God, what if everything goes wrong? What if everything goes wrong? But then I am very blessed that I have friends who ground me because in the build up to Peru, there was a moment mm. where I freaked out and I called one of my dear friends and I asked her, am I going through a manic episode? Like, am I completely losing my shit right here? And she said, no. And she said, no, Ines, we've known you for a very long time. This is what you do. This is when you thrive. You need that pressure. You need that uncertainty because it keeps you sharp. This is how you roll. And that really made me calm down. And I said, like, yeah, that's true. Like, this is how I roll. Wow. This, is, this is who I am. Mm. And this is not what, what, you know, the average person does. But you don't have to. Like, this is, this is my life. Yeah. Um, but I hope that, that by just sharing my story, I can inspire others to find their own path. Not everybody's created for my lifestyle, mm. nor should you. But find your own path. Like, don't be afraid to choose things that you want to do. As I said, your desires are there for a reason. Mm. Go and explore and figure out what that means. 
So you you touch it. Wow, what an incredible friend, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's great. I mean, exactly what you needed at the right time. And that brings me to a question. You said, like, you have a whole team around you, right? That helps you become this uh, Olympic uh, athlete. And, and I, I, I love the analogy. Um, how, do you, how do you build a team? How do you... Mm. What's the secret uh, behind it? To have uh, the right team? Well, there's no secret. There's just like when you have a need, um, you want to fulfill that need. Mm. So a lot of us especially starting entrepreneurs, we have this very, we have a scarcity mindset. We don't have a lot of money. We don't have a lot of time. Um, mm -hmm. We undercharge usually. I mean, I've been there, but something really made me um, understand the whole psychology behind investing. And that is, you really need to become your own best customer. And so if I want people to invest in me mm -hmm. and in my program, I need to be that person that also invests in other people to give me, mm. you know, knowledge and, and things. Um, and it all started with needs. Like, um, the, I had a time where I was very focused on the physical aspect and I invested a lot in learning about nutrition and, mm. and supplements and how they work and what my metabolism, what it is that, what that like learning from experts on, on, on movement, um, and, and how that, helps your brain and, and emotions. Um, I always have a coach always. Mm. I, then my first coach was a do coach. She called herself a do coach because I'm great on ideas, but I'm poor on executing. So I paid a coach for four or five months and every week we would meet and she would give me homework and to do's. And then she was kind of like my accountability partner. So I could like move up the scale. And then I invested in a very expensive business program, which was a really bad investment. But anyway, that was one of these fear-driven <laughs> decisions that I made. And I, I, oh, I was angry with myself for a year for losing that money between brackets. Um, I, and now I have a coach. I've been working with her for a year. Um, she's a focus manager because I'm somebody, again, I'm a very idea-driven person and she really keeps me grounded um, I have a, um, uh, masseur. Um, I go to, I go for massages at least every two weeks, um, to take care of my body, to make sure that, you know, that, that I stay connected. Um, I have a personal trainer. Um, it's both an app and a one-on-one -on -one time. So I work out 30 minutes every single day, uh, except maybe once or twice that I could skip it depending mm. on what my body needs especially when you're changing and traveling a lot um i have a nutritionist who i reach out to every time that i feel that something's off especially with this change of the seasons um i have a therapist and i have an amazing group of friends um i have four women around me who keep me grounded mm. who give me you know who call me out on my bullshit and who I feel incredibly safe with um, when I, you know, have these crazy ideas. I'm not afraid to put them out there. And, and they just, they really see me for who I am because I feel safe enough with them to show who I really am. Mm. Um, and that's basically my team. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, something that I noticed that actually one of the my favorite professors wrote that if you want to be creative, you need two types of kind of people around you, which by the way, you said you have both. 
indirectly mm. <laughs> in this speech. Uh, and that's one who, uh, when you feel like, oh my God, I think I cannot do this. They will come to you. They'll be like, no, you can do this. It's, uh, you are doing amazing job. This is all awesome. You got to fucking do it. And then you need the other people who will call you on the bullshit. They will say like, hey, this doesn't work. And you need to improve this. And you, and you, need, to, you need the balance, right? As, a, as an entrepreneur. Um, I have the same with the podcast, by the way. Luckily, I have both type of friends. Uh, and I also learned like who to go for what with. So that's, that's, that's mm-hmm. good. So if, if I'm listening to you, basically the, the finding yourself is a whole uh, long uh, journey because you have been on it, uh, said, well, it began 2014, right? Uh, so that's already six, six years of, of journey. So it's not uh, something you can figure out tomorrow no and the thing is um and this is i'm so happy that you put this out there now because this is one of the things that i'm that i'm trying to change in the world is we're never broken Mm. we're never lost we're just disconnected and this journey that i'm on this is for the rest of my life Mm. we're never finished Why, why should we like this is the beauty about just you know understanding that it's okay to just live your life and figure out what that means and my needs change obviously um and it's it's more than just about me it's also a lifestyle um and you know there was a time i've been living in the netherlands for five years and i was really happy and it was really useful for me but now i'm in a phase in my life where i'm figuring out do i want to stay there or do i want to move to the south or do I want to change lifestyle? Like, mm. do I really want to go back to this whole nomadic thing? And and I'm allowing myself to figure that out. And Peru was was the initiator for that. Mm. Um, so this whole finding yourself thing, you're never lost, but it is allowing yourself to question the status quo and to ask yourself, does this still fit me? It's like with wardrobe. You're not going to wear the same jacket for the rest of your life. That would be freaking boring. Um, so if you go shopping, you just ask yourself, okay, what, what kind of, what kind of style am I looking for? Maybe you want to try different styles. Maybe you want to have different jackets. Why not? It's the same with figuring out how to live your life. Although I, why settle? I buy, I buy the same shoes <laughs> and the jeans <laughs> in the same store. <laughs> the t-shirt in the same store. <laughs> yeah, well, my friends, that is about to change because you're going on a journey. So when you're traveling, you get creative. <laughs> I will have to. I will have to. <laughs> but I like my comfort. You know, I put the same t-shirt. It's the same t-shirt. I have to think about it. That part yeah. of the day is and just figure okay. out. And that's okay. You know, that's why I say like, my story will not resonate with many people. Mm. It's, but it's also okay to just choose comfort. If that is what you're happy in, then please, by all means, don't change. But if there's a part of you that is restless and that's frustrated or that's curious, then please go and explore what that means to you. Um, that's basically also something I wanted to add. Mm. Okay, Ines. And um, so if people want to learn more about uh how to be un, I don't know why I think about uncomfortable. I don't want to say unstoppable. <laughs> if they want to get uncomfortable, <laughs> unstoppable, and then they will probably have to be uncomfortable. How they can mm-hmm. uh, connect with you? 
how they can learn more about the programs that uh, you're working on or uh, get in touch with you? They can always email me um, or go on my website or visit me on Instagram or LinkedIn. My handle is Ines Gaston. Um, I'm very approachable. Um, and uh, yeah, if they want to learn more, they can always reach out. They can always book a session with me. Um, yeah. That's it. Yeah, and we will put the links in the description of the episode. So if you're interested in getting in touch with Ines, you'll find the links there for sure. Okay, and um, for the end, I always have uh, one question because, of course, it's nice to share stories. And I don't believe that, uh, you know, I suddenly uh, talk to somebody on a podcast and I'll figure out uh, what I want to do with my life. Um. I think the stories are though important because we all tell, we are all telling each other stories about things around us, but also about who we are, what we do, right? But then there is the other part, and that's action. And then since I want to make the podcast also a little bit actionable, I'm going to ask, what is one thing that I can do in the next week? So it has to be concrete, something doable in one week. What is the one thing I can do in one week to help me on my journey to, to fix my compass? Mm, I think journal every day. What kind of what kind of journaling uh, do you have in mind? So that's the thing you don't know. You just journaling. It's not just about the journaling. Mm. It's really just sitting with yourself and creating space and time. For your mind to download whatever it needs to download and to just write write about your day write about how you feel write about your you know what you're excited about what you're afraid of whatever comes up but just write um mm -hmm. i found it very very helpful because it really helps you to understand what is going on in your mind if you take a moment to just sit and reflect. Um, and for me, journaling has been very, very powerful. That's where all my ideas came from. Mm -hmm. That's where most of my content comes from. Um, and it really helps me to understand where I'm at. Am I being nice to myself? Mm -hmm. Am I being mean to myself? What kind of emotions are there? And when you can identify that, you can understand what your needs are. And that gives you very specific directions. And that's how you create your compass. Mm -hmm. Do you journal every day? Every day. Every day? I have um, three notebooks with me. Every time I travel, I have three notebooks. I have my journal. Uh -huh. I have my journal where I write a lot. And then I have my business journal where I write like business ideas, to-dos, um, mm. sessions that I had with my coach, um, trainings that I followed, these things. So I always have three journals. And oh, wait, I don't well, what's the, what's the first one? Is the one that you write journal? There's the other one that's business. And what, what's the third one? The third one is just a, a, a notebook where I write. So my diary is where I capture things that happen and feelings that I have, but mm -hmm. it's limited. It's a page a day. And when I journal, I really want to free flow. Um, and I write in there almost every day. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I have my, I have my uh, journal. It's here, actually. My six-minute uh, diary. But that's a little bit different. There we go. Because that's, uh, that's a lot about... Uh, um, what you're grateful for that day, what you, what you want to, I think it says, wait, let me see. Let me just quickly figure out. It says, this is how you mo make today great. But I actually, I changed it. And I think I, I've, I've seen that word on your website. 
And now I'm mm-hmm. also in front of what I, what is it? Yoga, or I want to have, do a mm-hmm. podcast, want to go to a restaurant, or want to sit, stay with my grandma. And now put on, I want. Mm-hmm. I want to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I, I'm still noticing that quite often I see like, I need to do this. I have to do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, do you really? Do you want to do it? Or do you need to do it? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's something I observed on our website and that's what I'm trying to implement. So yeah, I will give it a, I'm horrible at writing, by the way, but I will do my best to uh, give it a shot next week. So yeah. I will but write. Start easy on yourself. Start with maybe bullet points or whatever. It's just start easy. There is no rules I, in writing. Can I start just with the bullets? Yeah. <laughs> You can stop there, but just do it consistently. Yeah, consistency is important. Mm-hmm. Wow. Is there anything else that we, we should uh, say today? I think we're good. An hour and a half is good conversation. <laughs> All right. So thanks, you guys, for joining the Broken Compass podcast. If you enjoyed uh, this conversation, you can get in touch with me on my Instagram, Danik. Dash Peseda, or uh, you can connect uh, with us on uh, Discord where you can talk to me and other people about what has been happening on this episode and uh, where you can also share your stories. And we will hear you next Tuesday.